Well, it looks like we might finally uh, be getting to the end of the, the Kavanaugh saga. The FBI report is done. Will we ever see it? Seems not. Uh, but, but we do know that Democrats and uh, Christine Ford's attorneys have already complained that it was uh, it's, it's unfair, the investigation was unfair, yada, yada, yada. They're saying that uh, it, it's not a legitimate, and this is a huge shock, by the way. No, no one saw this coming. I mean, we all thought that they would uh, certainly accept the results, right? That, that's what we all thought. Um, one, one complaint, I think a really stupid complaint is, well, the FBI didn't interview Christine Ford or Brett Kavanaugh. Well, we've already heard from them. They, they've given their side of the story in lengthy interviews uh, in front of the Senate. So all the FBI would do is just ask them the same exact questions again, um, which actually, I, you know, Ford's attorney should be happy that, uh, that, that she wasn't interviewed because she's the one with the constantly changing story. So she, she, she may not hold up well under FBI interrogation, but they did interview all the alleged witnesses and everything. Um, so that there's no point in them, in them hearing yet again, the same story from Kavanaugh and Ford instead. Okay. They're going to go and listen to the alleged witnesses. Let's get their stories. Uh, but they don't like that. So, so I think we can ascertain from that, that uh, the investigation didn't uncover anything uh, and didn't corroborate Ford's accounts. In fact, if it uncovered anything, it just further uncovered the fact that Christine Ford is lying. And I just want to underscore that point quickly. I wrote about this yesterday. And, you know, I was among those in the early going who I wanted to be gentle with Christine Ford and I wanted to be generous to her um, give her the benefit of the doubt as much as possible. And that doesn't mean taking her story at face value because I never did that. You know, smart person, you, you never should have done that um, because there were always holes in the story and so on and so forth. But I thought, okay, maybe, uh, and I said this multiple times, you know, I, I said, may, maybe she was, maybe she's mistaken. Maybe she's misremembering. Um, even as the inconsistencies piled up, I said, like, like many supporters of Brett Kavanaugh and like Brett Kavanaugh himself, I mean, he said this himself on multiple occasions, that maybe something bad did happen to her and she's just conflating. She's, she's misconstruing, accidentally conflating one thing with another, I injecting Brett Kavanaugh into it accidentally. Maybe that's, that's what I thought. That's, that's what I mean by giving her the benefit of the doubt. But I think now... Now that we've seen all this play out and we've seen the evidence or lack thereof, uh, or, or really we've seen the evidence, which all comes down in Kavanaugh's favor, I think we have to stop being so gentle about it and say what is now very difficult to avoid, what I think is a plain reality, which is that Christine Ford is a liar. Uh, she may still have been victimized at some point in some form at some point in her life. And, uh, and if, if that's the case, then I feel badly for her for that abuse. If she ever did suffer it at some point, but it's just not possible anymore for someone, for a rational person to say, uh, to theorize that this may all be a case of mistaken identity. Somebody, somebody is a liar here. Somebody is a straight up liar. 
And to me, it, it seems very clear that that person is Christine Ford. Uh, and that's the, there's a reason why Rachel Mitchell, who's the sex crimes prosecutor hired by the Republicans, there's a reason why she wrote that lengthy memo we talked about a few days ago, where she said she didn't find the story credible at all. There are too many gaps, and not just gaps, but the gaps are far too convenient that she can't remember, speci- she specifically can't remember any of the details that may exonerate Ford or, 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 or may confirm. That she, any of the details that could confirm or disprove her claim, she can't remember any of those conveniently. She also can't remember the things that she did and said even a few months ago. So it, it, here's the thing. If her memory is really that terrible, that she can't remember anything, even even things that happened in the last month or two. Well, in that case, if her memory is that bad, I have a bad memory, okay? I know that I have a bad memory. That's one thing I remember is having a bad memory. If her memory is really bad, and it seems like her memory would be worse than mine, if, if, there, if this really is a memory issue, then she knows that her memory is bad, which means she knows that she cannot speak with absolute certainty about something that happened 35 years ago. So even in that case, even if most of this is a memory issue, uh, we still have, she said it was. she's 100% sure it was Kavanaugh, but if her memory is that bad, then she knows that she can't possibly be 100% sure. So at a minimum, that's a lie. And it's a big one. Um, but, uh, but it's more than that. Ford's story has changed over and over again. And it's changed in a way that's not that is that is not just haphazard it's changed in ways that seem calculated and targeted uh to kind of get around Kavanaugh's defenses so if we're going to absolve her of all dishonesty at this point then we have to believe that her memory lapses are con- coincidentally convenient and the gaps in her story are coincidentally convenient and the changes in her story are coincidentally convenient um, and not only that, but it's also coincidentally convenient that all of the, the, the witnesses that she claims have also suffered amnesia uh, around the same kinds of events. Then there's Ford's ex-boyfriend who came out, issued a sworn statement claiming that uh, Ford coached her friend on how to pass a lie detector test, claimed that Ford flew recreationally all the time, which would seem to dispel the notion that she was, has this fear of flying. Ford never once mentioned any sexual assault, despite having dated him for years. Now, on the, on the lie detector thing, the, the friend that Ford supposedly coached did come out the next day and denied, denied it. But notice something. First of all, she denied it to the press. She didn't deny it under oath. Second, and I'm not saying it's true, but she has to deny it. Because if she admitted that she was coached on how to pass a lie detector test when going for this whatever government job, she would lose her job and she could even go to jail. So she can't. She has no, if it happened, she has no choice but to deny it. Uh, it would ruin her career, ruin everything. But the real significance, uh, I think, of her boyfriend's testimony is that it is just another person who denies or refutes elements of Ford's story. So if Ford isn't lying, it means that her ex-boyfriend is lying. It means that Kavanaugh is lying. It means Mark Judge is lying. And it means two other witnesses as well are either suffering selective amnesia or are lying. So it's five against one, okay? 
And that one, five against one, and the one is a very, very lonely one. You know, one is a lonely number, especially for Ford. Because think about what, th it, it's only one. And that means that not even her parents or other family members or other friends, nobody has come forward to vouch for any aspect of her story at all. And in fact, I think the silence of the people around her is so deafening and so noticeable and so peculiar that it almost counts as yet another witness against her. Um, so she's lying. Where did the lie originate? Where did it begin? Why did it begin? You know, why would she lie about that? I, that's a question we hear a lot is, well, why, why would somebody lie about something like this? Uh, well, I, I don't know. We, we can only speculate. And it's actually, it's not that hard to speculate. It's not that hard to believe that somebody could lie about something like this. Number one, because we know people lie about this kind of stuff. And we can go through all the examples, Duke Lacrosse, Rolling Stone, Lena Dunham, uh, all that stuff. We could, we could go through all the examples of, uh, of false rape accusations. But, but, but even before that, we, we know why people lie, right? Because we've all told lies. So you, you know why people lie. Um, now, hopefully you haven't told any lies as big as, as this or as damaging as this, but you still told lies. And I think that small lies and big lies generally have the same kinds of motivations behind them. So people lie. Why do people lie? Why do you lie? Why have you told lies? Uh, well, you've lied to gain some sort of advantage. Uh, you've lied to get attention. You've lied to maybe hurt other people that you dislike. Again, hopefully not to this degree, but still to some degree or another. Um, and then sometimes people lie inexplicably. They, there are times when people lie for no reason that you can even ascertain. And then it, and then it snowballs from there. So I think any or all of these could explain Christine Ford. You, you, you really can't know. I mean, I could, if we're left to speculate, and she's the one who's left us to speculate by throwing this out there with all the inconsistencies, not even, not e there are some things she could offer us to give a, a little bit of evidence, like her therapist notes, well, she doesn't want to give us those. So she's left us to speculate. If I had to guess or come up with some theory, I, I, I could, I don't know, but I could see maybe hypothetically a situation where, um, where, she originally brought this up in couples therapy. There, there, there's, some, there's some oddness with the couples therapy stuff because she said that that uh, she was in couples therapy because of, of a remodel of the home and specifically because she wanted a second front door, which has to do with her fear from the sexual assault. Yet apparently the she was in couples therapy in 2012. The remodel of the home was in 20, 2008. So four years later, she's going to really, I mean, four years later, you're still, your, 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 your relationship is still suffering from the remodel and you have to go, I don't know. Um, what's the connection between another front door and sexual assault? Well, apparently they were, uh, they were hosting interns, um, I think from Google or something. And so they had interns and young men in the house that they were having in the house. And so she wanted another front door so that they weren't traipsing through the house because she was afraid of, um, the interns sexually assaulting her. And so she wanted to get them another front door. That's the story she tells. Well, that's kind of weird though, right? Because 
if you really are that paralyzed with fear that one of these guys might sexually assault you, why are you hosting them in your home in the first place? It seems like that's, it seems like the, the argument would be if your, if your husband wanted to have the interns, the argument would be, no, I don't want them. Not let's get a second front door. But anyway, you could, if you needed to speculate, you could see a situation maybe where this, where she started to kind of spin this story in couples counseling for one reason or another. Um, and it snowballed from there. We can't see the therapist notes. I think the reason why we can't see the therapist notes is that the story is significantly different. The story she told her therapist is significantly different from the story she's telling us now. Um, including, we're told she didn't tell the therapist the name of the person. I think she may very well have said to the therapist, I don't remember who it was. Something like that. Um, so she could have started spitting the yarn then, and uh, and it kind of just snowballed from there. So there are all kinds of of situations, but that 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 doesn't matter. Um, the why doesn't matter. It's the what that matters, and it also matters that Democrats know that Ford's story is not credible. Whatever they say, they know that it's not credible. They know it as well as you and I do. Yet they played this hand anyway. And, and I think ultimately it backfires on them. Because here's what's happened. This Democrats have overplayed their hands, their hand significantly here. They have unmasked themselves at the worst possible time. Because think about it, they they they're, they were headed into the midterms. They were looking pretty good. They were sitting in a pretty spot. Um, because obviously their base hates Trump, hates Republicans, so they were counting on a good turnout. Meanwhile, conservatives and, and Republicans have been fighting with, we've all been fighting with each other for several years now. Uh, many, many conservatives and Republicans are feeling kind of drained of energy, somewhat despondent, right? Fighting amongst ourselves, bickering, drained, despondent. I mean, all these things, that's not a good recipe for voter turnout. It's a great recipe for Democrats, not a good recipe for Republicans. But then Democrats come along at the last minute here. They take off the mask. They reveal their fangs and they pounce like wild animals on an innocent man and his family. And I think that's caused most conservatives to look at that and, 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 and to rally together, unite again in many ways and to, uh, and to refocus on the real opponent. And there are polls and surveys that bear this out, but I don't even need the polls and surveys. I, this is just a sense. I think if you're a public, conservative or Republican, you probably have sent this, sensed this as well. There's just this sense now of a, of a more cohesive unity among conservatives than there's been in a long time. And that's, we have the Democrats to thank for that. Because I think a lot of people have looked at this and, and said, wow, I mean, these people are evil. We, we got to do whatever we can to keep them out of power. Uh, that they would stoop this low. I, I mean... Sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that sometimes, to lose sight of just how evil the Democrats are, how dishonest. But they have helpfully reminded us of the fact and given us such a startling illustration of it right now, right right before the midterms. So I don't know what's going to happen in the midterms, but I think this was a, a terrible strategy on their part. They just don't know when to stop. They, they could have... They could have thrown out these unsubstantiated allegations and 
just throw them out there and then they could rally their base a little bit around that uh, and kind of exploit the Me Too movement even more than they already have and rely, kind of rely on that to gin up more interest among their among their voters and, and kind of left it there. But the way that they have not let go, and even now they won't let go, um, it's, it's backfired big time. So we'll see what happens. But I, I'm sensing a certain unity, again, that um, I haven't seen in a, in a very long time, which you might say is a little bit of the silver lining, but I hesitate to speak of silver linings when you consider... Uh, what's happened to Kavanaugh and his family. Um, so there's nothing that will make that worth it. All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Godspeed.